0: Hello, everyone. My name is JT Wistersell, and I'm excited to welcome you to another edition of the From the Stands podcast on today's show, recapping week 11 of the NFL season and also recapping NBA free agency. It's been an absolute whirlwind with the draft and free agency so close together. I was able to touch on the draft last week, what I thought of all those picks, and now I'm going to talk about what teams did in free agency. But before we get to the NBA, as always, we travel back to the NFL and we go back to the Thursday night football game, and we did have a good one. It was the Seahawks slaying the Cardinals on Thursday Night Football, twenty-eight to twenty-one. Russell Wilson, his career with Seattle, has never lost three in a row, and it wasn't going to start in their home stand versus the Cardinals. Russ threw for one hundred ninety-seven yards, had two touchdowns, and had forty-two rushing yards. Had completely. Complete control over the game. Did a good job dicing up that Cardinals secondary. Metcalf and Lockett. Lockett didn't have the insane game like he had the time before. We had three touchdowns against the Cardinals, but a pretty good day today. And Metcalf was much more of a factor in this game. So, good to see the Seahawks get back on track from an offensive standpoint in the passing game. And their rushing game was able to get back on track as well, with them rushing for 165 yards and Carlos Hyde at 79. Getting him back was huge for the Seattle team. Also, the Seattle defense play is starting to play much better round into form they've held their last two opponents now their last three if you factor in the Cardinals as well under 25 points per game and I know it's still a lot but they were giving up almost 30 before that so it's a much improved defense the biggest reason for that being is Jamal Adams is back and healthy and they desperately missed what he provides his all-around game and Carlos Dunlap who had two sacks in this game the biggest one being the game clinching sack on the fourth down against the Cardinals those two guys have really helped bolst this Seahawks defense and for the Cardinals they should shot themselves in the foot a lot in this game the Drake Hill Patrick fighting DK Metcalf the holding penalty in the end zone that cost a safety that really made it tough for them to come back it was just a it was a long night for the Cardinals and they already beat Seattle once this year which is more than they probably thought they would originally so they will be all right long term but give credit to Seattle for playing well the one bright spot for the Cardinals was Isaiah Simmons who in this game had 10 tackles it was probably his best game as a pro. Moving on, we have the Steelers stomping the Jags 27-3. to Minka Fitzpatrick and Terrell Edmonds, the two safeties for Pittsburgh, had four picks combined, two for each of them, as Jake Lutton had a horrible day against this really good secondary. The Steelers did a good job constantly hitting and beating up Lutton. They were, of course, abusing that all right Jags offensive line, but it's tough for anyone to block this ferocious Pittsburgh front. You also had the Steelers, who had, on offense really clicked this game with Ben passing for 267 yards and two. touchdowns showed lots of control this game. Claypool and Deontay Johnson had a good game. Ebron made a nice catch as well. He's such a good end zone threat for them. And James Conner having 86 yards on the ground was also a nice surprise for Pittsburgh. So a good all-around game for them. The Jags kept it close early. They did did score on their very first possession with a field goal, but they never scored again the rest of the day. So that's all you want from Jacksonville. Be competitive for a little bit if you're a Jags fan, and then keep the tank going strong. And this week, Mike Glennon is going to be starting for them. So... It's going to continue to be a long, long year for Jags fans. Moving on, we have the Browns beating the Eagles twenty-two to seventeen. It was this game was in Cleveland, and it was another rough weather, lots of rough weather in Cleveland, as was the case last weekend when they took on the Texans. There, it was another rough weather game. But the person who really struggled in this rough weather was Wentz, whose struggles have been well documented all year long. He had two interceptions and just struggled with accuracy. There was no Miles Garrett, but. Olivier Vernon the former giant who's been on the Browns for the past two years eight against this Eagles offensive line having a three sacks which has got to be his career high for the Browns also I know it's not against the best receivers but Denzel Wards continues to be very impressive he was locking up guys all over the field last night and it looks with this Browns defense did a really good job on this Eagles defense Nick Chubb was very impressive as he continues to be out, coming back from the injury reserves in the second game with 144 yards and he was the one who upset up Kareem Hunt's Fast, fantastic, leaping touchdown. was a really cool play right there. Baker was meh, but he didn't turn the ball over, so he was better than Wentz in that regard. And for the Eagles, I go back to this. The NFL stands for not for long, and the Eagles roster is really showing their ace. Guys like Fletcher Cox are no longer elite nose tackles, in my opinion, and guys like Darius Slay don't look to be the same either. So it'll be interesting to see how Philly navigates this roster because it looks like, although Wentz still may turn into something, eventually – the rest of this roster is might have to take a, to a rebuild for the few years to get back to the form they were in. But shifting to our next game, next game we have the Saints and Taysom Hill winning versus the Falcons. Taysom Hill made his debut as a starting quarterback, and it resulted in, in a Saints victory, twenty-four to nine. Hill passed for two hundred and thirty-three yards and two touchdowns. Or actually, sorry, he pass for 233 yards and they had 51 rushing yards and two touchdowns and the nice thing about having a guy like Michael Thomas back healthy for Taysom Hill is he can just throw that guy out the ball and that's what he did a lot Thomas had 104 yards and that was the main catalyst for their air game while Taysom was able to have a lot of success running the ball it was kind of surprising that Alvin Kamara actually didn't catch a pass in this game but he was able to score a rushing touchdown and they obviously had success coming away with the win against Atlanta on the offensive side but when you look at the defensive side Side of the ball for the Saints. That's where they really dominated this game. They had eight sacks, two interceptions, and they had a second half shutout. The Falcons never found the end zone. The Falcons couldn't get in the end zone in the first half either, but they were at least able to get nine field goals in the first half, but they weren't able to finish those drives early and they were never really able to get it going. This Saints front seven is scary with Kwon Alexander, Demario Davis, Trey Hendricks leads the NFL in the sacks. Yeah, if anyone guessed that, which no one did, it's insane. Cam Jordan's obviously a beast. He's always showed out against Matt Ryan. That one's kind of funny to me always. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, Marcus Davenport. I mean, this is a beastly defensive front. And it's going to be really hard for teams to take down the Saints defense as they hit their stride at the right time. But shifting to our next game, we have the Washington football team defeated the Bengals 20-9. to And, of course, the big takeaway from this game is Joe Barrow tearing his ACL and MCL in the third quarter. It was really unfortunate to see him go down. Obviously, Burrow's having an unbelievable year, was right up there for rookie of the year race, and just looked every bit the part of the guy that was drafted first overall, and it really sucks that – He's dealing with this injury. A lot of guys have been able to return from this injury and have success, and hopefully he's able to. The moment he went out in the third, this game was over. Ryan Finley came into the game, and he was 3-for-10 passing with an interception. He was absolutely awful, and it's what allowed the Washington football team to win this game 20-9. to nine. It would have been a little closer earlier had it not been for Chase Young's fantastic. Joe Burrow tried to run into the end zone, and Young just absolutely popped him, knocked the ball out, and the Red Washington football team was able to scoop that up and keep going. And their defense did a really good job all game. They they had four sacks. They forced a fumble. And this Washington football team defense continues to be really impressive. And it's what's going to give them a chance when they enter the NFC least playoff race, which everyone is pretty much in there right now, tied with the three wins. But the Eagles, for some tie-breaking reason, are, still keep the lead. It's strange. Don't try to figure it out. But either way, really quick, got to give a shout-out to Alex Smith, too. He got his first win in two years. It's a fantastic story. And as long as he continues to click, he's got Terry McLaurin out there. Antonio Gibson also had 160 the – Antonio Gibson had 94 rushing yards, and as a team, the football team had 164 rushing yards. That was big for them as well. If they can keep the ground game going and continue to play their elite defense, they'll have a chance to win this division. And also for the Bengals, they're not going to win another game this year without Joe Burrow. It's just really unfortunate, and Ryan Finley isn't the guy, so they'll get a high draft pick, and they should take Panay Sewell out of Oregon. They desperately need to do a better job protecting Burrow. Shifted to our next game, we have the Panthers blowing out the Lions 20-0. to P.J. Walker, the best player in the XFL, got his first NFL win, threw for 258 yards and a touchdown, and did a pretty good job moving this team up and down the field. He did have those two interceptions in the red zone, but still, I thought overall played pretty well in his first start. The offense, I was really surprised. Like I said, Walker not only moved it, but it didn't miss a huge beat without Bridgewater in there. I think that speaks to how good of an offensive coordinator Joe Brady is. Also, DJ Moore continues to shine with 127 receiving yards, but the Panthers offense was good. They did get to 20 points, but the real star of this game was obviously the defense. Anytime you shut an NFL team out, you got to give credit. They had five sacks in this game with Brian Burns leading them with two sacks on this Lions team, and they completely shut them down, obviously. They only allowed 40 rushing yards, and Stafford was 18 for 33 for 178 yards. He missed Kenny Galladay, obviously, and it was a It was a rough day for them as they just had fumbles, miscommunications, penalties, drops. It was a long day for the Lions. And if it wasn't for – maybe if Gallaudet is there, it's a little closer. But either way, you got to give this Panthers team credit for the way they continue to fight. And I give them a lot of credit for that, this Panthers team. They've been really impressive so far this year. I thought they'd easily be one of the five worst teams. And although they did just break a five-game losing streak, the fact that they fight and are capable of shutting teams out is, to me, extremely impressive. But moving on to our next game, we have the Titans taking down the Ravens 30-24. to Tennessee scored on their first possession of the game, exactly like they did against the Colts last weekend on Thursday Night Football, and they struggled the rest of the first half. To begin the third quarter, they, they had to punt and then the Ravens scored, so they were down 21-10, to and it did not look like it was going to be good for the Titans. They were able to go kick a field goal, and momentum started to shift for them when Lamar threw an interception. Lamar was very up and down again, made some nice throws to Mark Andrews, it's Des. Brian, getting him back was interesting to see. He did have 28 receiving yards, but this offense continues to struggle to find their footing. And we know the Titans do have a nice game plan to, show, to slow down this Ravens offense. The Ravens only scored three points after they went up 21 to 10. That was what got, ended up allowing them to force overtime because the Titans stormed all the way back to take a lead and Lamar to drive them down so they could kick the field goal to go into overtime. Now, he could have had a chance to score a touchdown as they were inside the 10-yard line, but Des Bryant was not set inside the goal line when the ball was snapped so they had a nice pass play that would have gotten him right in there, but unfortunately they had to back it up because Bryant wasn't quite set when they snapped the ball. Just shaking off that rust from not being in the NFL so far for Bryant. But then the game goes to overtime, and overtime fourth quarter is when Derrick Henry really shined. They did a really good job of holding Derrick Henry in check for most of the game, but on his final 10 carries, he had 89 yards. It's just hard to slow him down the whole game, and he had an unbelievable one to give them the win. And speaking of unbelievable runs, after A.J. Brown caught the ball inside the red zone, to get that touchdown with all those guys on top of him. Extremely impressed by him, as well as his other receiver mate, Corey Davis. Tannehill did not have the best game early because Henry struggled, but once this offense gets clicking, it can be really intimidating. But shifting to our next game, we have Deshaun Watson willing the Texans to a win over the Patriots 27-20. Watson, 380 total yards and three touchdowns, with my favorite being when he ran into the end zone, trucking a dude, carrying him into the end zone with him. Texans' defense also continues to play a little bit better. J.J. Watt had four... Passes deflected in this game, continuing to make his presence felt, even though he is up there in age. And they we're still able to hold the Patriots offense to 20 points, which in this NFL, where there's so much high scoring, and we know the Patriots offense has a lot of, the Texans defense has let up a lot more than 20 before, they are showing some improvement. Cam had 365 passing yards and one touchdown with a really nice ball going to Demir Byrd. Byrd himself had a career high 132 yards. And the Patriots really struggled to run the ball. Cam himself didn't even rush for 10 yards. And the Patriots as a team only rushed for 86 yards total. So it was a rough day for them. They couldn't get the run game going. And without Julian Edelman especially, Harry had an all right day and kill Harry. But Demir Bird, Jacoby Myers, they struggled a little bit. They mixed Rex Burkhead as well, who missed this game after having such a good game against the Ravens the week before. The Patriots secondary did an all right job, but it's just hard to hold a guy like Watson in check because what Watson is so good as moving around, buying time, he to a to a fault honestly he does this too much to a fault he does not throw the ball away so hold on to it and it leads to him getting sacked more but it also just makes it harder to cover that time that long and when you got crafty veterans like Randall Cobb Kenny Stills, Brandon Cooks and the explosive Will Fuller it's hard to hold this Texans offense in check from a passing game standpoint as their running game continues to be abysmal it's really interesting to see what happens with the Patriots they're four and six now I don't want to say Belichick can't make the postseason ever because you don't want to count him out but in a division where a team like the Ravens are the first team out of the postseason right now, with how well the Dolphins are playing, the Browns even, it's going to be an uphill climb for the Patriots to make the playoffs. And the Texans are going to be fun just because Deshaun Watson's going to will his team to a couple of victories. Moving on to our next game, we have the Broncos bullying the Dolphins 20-13. Tua scored early, taking advantage of a short field, helping this Miami team jump out to a lead. But after that, they were never able to find the end zone again and didn't even get a field goal until Fitzpatrick came in late and took over. He just really struggled all game long. The Broncos had six sacks on him. They did a great job getting pressure. And you could tell the young Tua was rattled in this game. And Fitzpatrick, actually, this is what Fitzpatrick does. He's so... He's a roller coaster. You're going to get the highs. You're going to get the lows. He came in and threw for 117 yards in just the fourth quarter, pretty much. He threw for more yards than Tua had the entire game in just the fourth quarter. But of course, he ended it with an interception. This is what you risk risk with Fitzpatrick. He's going to take chances. Sometimes they're going to work. Sometimes they're going to not. But personally, I don't agree with the benching of Tua. I think you let your young quarterback ride out these kind of moments like that. Let him learn and grow and give him a chance to make something happen. But I understand the move because I can also see how Fitzpatrick, because of his craziness, gives you a better... Chance to win this game, and if there's anyone who's earned the right not to be questioned, it is Brian Flores. He's done so many decisions and made so many smart moves that have paid off, like switching from Fitzpatrick to Tua. So you got to give him credit there. Also, got to give the Broncos some credit. Mentioned how well that defense played in the in the front seven. Secondary did a really good job. Devontae Parker only got through a couple times. Beat a- AJ Boye, but overall they did a good job. They had 189 rushing yards with both Lindsey and Melvin Gordon eating in this game. And also give Locke. I just think he played pretty good this game. He continues to go up and down, but there's there's moments where you're like, okay, this might be our franchise quarterback. So who knows with Drew Locke, but it's just fun to watch to see what he'll become with another year in this offense too. I think after next year, we'll really be able to get a good evaluation for what kind of player Drew Locke is, but good enough to get him a win on Sunday. And moving on to our next game, we have the Cowboys corraling the Vikings 31-28. to The Cowboys defense stepped up early in this one. They forced two fumbles in the first half that allowed Dallas to take an early lead, and they were really motivated to play. And I think one of the biggest reasons they were so motivated to play was Mike McCarthy's fire-up speech the night before in which he smashed melons in front of the team to get across the point that he wanted them to play like a sledgehammer, and that's the physicality they exhibited on the field on Sunday. They ran for 180 yards. It was Ezekiel Elliott its first game with 100 yards a season. Anthony Baller had a nice 40-yard rush as well. C.D. Lamb and Adam Thielen traded spectacular catches with Lamb kind of tracking that one ball and having to dive back to make the grab, and Adam Thielen's one-hander being spectacular. This Dallas offensive line moving Zach Martin over to right tackle was a great move for them. It allowed them to put their best current five on the field, and the Vikings don't have a good pass rush, but they were not able to get home at all and get any kind of pressure on Dalton, allowing him to throw for the three touchdowns, 203 now, the Vikings offense ate as well. This was a close game. Obviously, we get 31 to 28. Cousins, 314 yards, 100, sorry, Cousins 314 yards three touchdowns and Dalvin Cook had 115 yards and a touchdown so a very impressive day for their offense and of course Adam Thielen had the one spectacular touchdown catch he had another he had 123 receiving yards and Justin Jefferson at 86 with a touchdown so they weren't the problem they were able to move the ball but the Vikings defense let up the late score and the Vikings just got stopped four downs in a row on there trying to make a two two minute drive they just were not able to pull it off with some mistakes happening there so so give the Pop Cowboys credit for coming in and getting a nice win. But moving on to our next game, we have the Chargers blasting the Jets 38-34 to 34 to 28. The Chargers had a punt. The Jets blocked a Charger punt on the first drive of the game. And you're like, could the Chargers really blow this one? No. They end up storming back. They had a 24-6 lead at the half. Herbert – for the game through for 366 yards and three touchdowns, while Keenan Allen had 145 yards and a touchdown to go along as well. The chemistry they've already exhibited between Herbert, Allen, and Mike Williams as well. Hunter Henry, too. They've just been so impressive. Herbert is obviously just so impressive, should be the front runner for offensive rookie of the year. Him and Justin Jefferson are neck and neck, but I think I'd give it to Herbert right now. The Chargers only at 29 rushing yards, so it just shows you the amount of pressure that continues to get put on Herbert. And speaking speaking of pressure, Joey Bosa got it in this game. He wasn't able to get home with the sack but he did have five quarterback hits as well and this game did get a little close late which is why you see 34 to 28 Flacco had a nice little drive where he had two touchdowns on his first two drives of the second half Denzel Mims continues to shine for the Jets as well with three receptions for 71 yards and they couldn't convert late on downs they ended up being able to miss out on tying the game late. But just the young guys continue to show some promise like Mims. Quinn and Williams has been so much better for them this year that next year when you draft your new franchise quarterback in Trevor Lawrence and get an actual competent head coach in there, you like the way that things are going for the Jets. And obviously they lost the game, which is by far the most important thing in this tanking for Trevor Race. But shifting to our next game, we have the Colts coming back to beat the Packers 34-31. to This is a strange game. With it starting out, you get four turnovers in the first half. You get fumbles on the first two drives by both teams, both receivers. Guys caught the ball, and then the ball got punched out there. Oh, uh, actually, the Packers, their fumble was just a bad snap there. But it's just a strange half. Like I said, four turnovers in the first half. And after those two turnovers on the opening drive, you get two touchdowns on each team's next possession. So it's just kind of crazy like that. The Packers did have a really strong second quarter, though. They had three touchdowns in that quarter, jumping out to a 28-14 to 14 lead. But the Colts responded in the third and fourth quarter with 17 unanswered points to take a lead. This Colts defense has done this all year. They kind of give up some points and some yards in the first half, and they make those halftime adjustments, and they come back really strong and hold teams in check. I've gushed a lot about this Colts defense, and but their defensive coordinator deserves a lot of credit for the job he does making these adjustments and getting this team to play physical ball and locking in. Rodgers was able, after giving, after his team gave up those 17 unanswered points, and he, he and the rest of the offense weren't able to move the ball, was able to lead him down to get in field goal range, so they were able to send this thing to overtime, but former Utah safety Julian Blackman made the play of the game in overtime when they threw a wide receiver screen to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Blackman split the split the blockers, the receiver blockers, and punched, and was able to just tip, I won't say punch, but he was able to knock the ball out, tip the ball out, whatever you want to say, force the fumble, the Colts recover it, Rodrigo Blankenship makes the field goal game over Colts get a massive comeback win and it was really impressive to see them come back like this. Rivers threw for over 300 yards. Rodgers was awesome. They both threw an interception. But like I said, I thought both of them were pretty good in this game and you got to give a lot of credit to this defense like I said the Colts defense so impressed with them now shifts into our next game we have the Chiefs charging back for a late victory versus the Vegas Raiders 35 to 31 this game started off with just non-stop offense you get four touchdowns two by each team Derek Carr was so good in this game 275 yards three touchdowns he did have the interception but that was an absolute garbage time very not garbage time sorry last play of the drive, there was like 18 seconds left. He just had to throw it up there to try to make a play. So I don't think that was an example of the kind of game Carr had. I thought he was incredible, had great control of the offense. We all enjoyed his colorful checks, of course, and it was really fun to watch him go out there and ball. And he continues to be a damn good NFL quarterback. Speaking of guys who are damn good right now, how about Nelson Aguilar and Darren Waller? Both going for 88 yards. Waller's the second best tight end in the NFL right now, only behind the guy who was on the other team, and Travis Kelsey, and Aguilar, what a year he's having after that bust and down year he had in Philadelphia. His career looked to be almost over, and then he comes over to the Raiders, and has this unbelievable year. The Raiders defense played well. I know you might say, how? They scored 35 points. Yeah, but in so many situations, you look at the Raiders did so many good things. It was just the excellence of Mahomes and his Chiefs offense that allowed them to take the victory. Mahomes did throw for 348 yards, two touchdowns. Kelsey had hundred. 27 yards and the game winning touchdown and Tyreek Hill had 102 yards and a touchdown and the Chiefs also ran the ball pretty well Le- Le'Veon Bell starts to get a little more involved at his first touchdown this game and Clyde Edwards helaire is just so impressive he's still this team's best running back and they ended up t- when they went on the game winning drive they ended up getting the ball back with a minute and 43 seconds left and we all knew how it was going to play out unfortunately Moving on to our next game, we have the Rams upsetting the Buccaneers 27 24. The Rams only had 37 rushing yards in this game. And if you would have told me they were going to do that and win, I would have said, You are insane. All year, the Rams' offense, the play action pass, the bootlegs, the roll, designed rolls, it's, it's all set up by their ability to run the ball. So I was stunned at the game Goff played. Yes, he had two interceptions in the second half, but we also know the other quarterback had two interceptions. And I thought those were even worse than the two Goff had. So I was really impressed by Goff 376 yards, three touchdowns he was wheeling and dion showing lots of poise and accuracy cooper cup 145 yards and robert woods 130 yards continue to prove why they're one of the better receiver duos in the national football league both guys having their best game together as in playing good on the same night and a long time i'll say that as well so really impressed by this rams offense especially the passing game and the rams d line i know aaron Donald did not have a a dominant night they really made a point the Buccaneers did to slow him down but the other guys ate and you could tell Brady was uncomfortable which is what led to those two second half interceptions the one coming on the final drive when they were trying to drive down and take the lead the defenses did a good job of adjusting in the second half and it's why we saw such an offensive explosion early in the first half was these defenses were just kind of struggling to figure everything out second half they made some adjustments and held him in check but Brady, just late, it looked like they were going to finally break through, but he throws that ball off to Cameron Brate, and it was just a weird throw. Jordan Fuller, the Rams' young safety, picked off Brady. He had his first pick on Tom Brady in this game and his second pick on Tom Brady, and both picks were the first of his NFL – his first two picks of his NFL career. So he had a good night, obviously, but Brady did not. And It's just going to be interesting to see what happens to this Buccaneers team. When teams can get some pressure on them and when they struggle to run – Brady does not like to sit back in that pocket, so it's going to be very interesting to see how the rest of it plays out. Also, the Rams defensive backs just did such a good job. A lot of offensive pass interference. I thought that Mike Evans and those guys got away with, but so impressed by Jalen Ramsey. But it'll be interesting to see how the year turns out for them that's going to do it for the current week NFL for last week's current NFL slate it was such a great week of games and so much fun to recap them with you guys but time to shift to my big takeaway of the week and for my big takeaway of the, of the week I'm shifting I'm looking at the NFL playoffs we're only a few weeks away from the playoffs I believe it is now six I want to say six yeah six six weeks away from the NFL playoffs and I have put the four and I've made four tiers I have put in here. they Teams that can make the playoffs, but not win a game. Teams that can make the playoffs and win it and win just one game. Teams that can kind of pull a Tennessee Titans, I'm calling this year, basically. They can make a run to their championship, but probably not break through to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, Super Bowl team slash contenders. So let's start with the teams that I think can squeeze into the playoffs or just make the playoffs, but they won't win a game. The Vikings still have an outside shot to do it, but with that defense, not getting it done. For the Bears, it's the reverse. You're not going to be able to do it with that offense. It's just too horrible of a unit. They're Not going to be able to break through. No matter who makes it from the NFC least, I don't care if it's the Eagles, the Washington football team, the Giants, the Cowboys. No one. They're not winning a game. I feel better about that than any of these other teams. The Patriots, they're just, I just think it's so up and down. Cam's so up and down. Their front seven isn't very good. I don't think they can win a playoff game. The Dolphins. I just think Tua in this offense is too young, and I don't think, and even if Fitzpatrick's in there, so what? if it's Tua, they're going to struggle to move the ball a little bit, and then with Fitzpatrick, he's going to turn the ball over and lose the, you the game, so I think this Dolphins team, their defense is ready, but I think their offense is about a year away from being able to help them win a playoff game. And lastly, we have the Browns. I just don't trust Baker. That's the biggest thing when it comes to them. I know they run the ball really well, and maybe if they got the right matchup, they would be able to, maybe if they play the Packers in the first round, there's a chance they could win a playoff game, but... I just I don't think so i the Browns have beaten a lot of the good a lot of the bad teams, and they haven't really beat a good team since they beat the Colts really early in the season when the Colts weren't playing as well as they are right now, so yeah, I'm just not a brown believer. I think they're going to get into the playoffs. I do believe that, but past that, I don't think so. So moving on to our next game next tier, sorry, not next game next tier, we have the make the playoffs and they could win a game but they're not going to win two games there it's the Cardinals Kyler Murray. It's just going to do something special, I think, and they can win a game because of that. Same thing with the Ravens. Lamar Jackson, he can do something special. And maybe this was the Ravens were the one I went back and forth the most about making a championship run. But until I see this Lamar-led offense improve and win a playoff game, as good as their defense is, I'm not going to say they could make a run at a championship game or a Super Bowl or anything like that. The Buffalo Bills are also in this tier of win a playoff game, but not too the Bills are just so sporadic to me. I just think Josh Allen, I can see him playing really good one game and really poor the next. And that Bills defense has definitely regressed. You gotta admit, it feels like forever ago that Tyrod Taylor was leading this team was trying to get this team into the playoffs and they won a playoff game. They almost beat the Jags because of how good this defense was. The defense is out of their prime while the offense is in it, so I don't think they'll make it. I also threw the Packers in here. I just think their defense is too bad as well. I think Rodgers is capable of making unbelievable plays, but I feel like if a team could get pressure on him, he can get a little bit rattled and just give up a little bit. And looking at it from the offense, from the defensive perspective, they just continue to struggle with teams who can stop the run. And there's only one guy really scares me in their secondary, Jair Alexander. So that's for that tier. And now we have the make a run to the, cha- like the conference championship games is this next tier I got. Here I got the Colts. Talked about how I love their defense. Rivers playing well at, at the right time. The Raiders. Just, look, just watch the Sunday Night Football team. You can see how good Derek Carr is playing. This offense is really good. They can run the ball and they can turn the ball over. Don't love their pass rush, but think they can do it. This list is literally named for the Tennessee Titans, like I said. So, of course, they're going to be in this list. I just think if they get the right matchups, Derek Henry can eat. And this defense is very up up and down they, they're capable of creating some turnovers and big plays and the one that i would have had a super bowl team going into this week but after their last couple performances against the saints and now against the rams i put the buccaneers in this tier i just think you're in order to get to the afc in order to get to the super bowl because this is teams that could go to the championship game in order to get to the super bowl they're gonna have to be a team with an elite pass rush and they haven't done that this year they've lost to the bears they've lost to the rams and they've lost to the saints twice I I think they're going to have to beat one of those teams in order to get to the Super Bowl, and I don't think they're going to be able to do that. Specifically, the Saints and the Rams, I don't think because this offensive line is not playing as well as I thought it could, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. So unfortunately, they're not going to be playing come Super Bowl time. It will be a disappointing first year for Tampa Bay. Now to the Super Bowl teams, the Steelers. I already said I think they're going 16-0. and They were my takeaway last week. Unbelievable. The Chiefs, the Super Bowl champions, the Seahawks. I think their defense is starting to play better at the right time, and Russell Wilson is so special to me with that improving defense is why they're in this tier versus a team like the Packers to me. I just think that Seahawks defense is playing better. And they have the Jamal Adams, the Dunlaps, the Bobby Wagners, where I think they can make a Super Bowl run. The Saints, I think Breeze will come back in time. And the way this defense and especially their defensive line is playing right now, I really like their chances. And the Rams, this is a team, another team. Before this week, they probably would have been in the maybe-make-a-championship run, but they were able to make it to a Super Bowl a few years ago, and they, they, I don't know if Goff is playing better back then than he is right now. I think he's playing some of the best football he's ever played, so I definitely think this team can at least make it back to the Super Bowl again and potentially win a Super Bowl as well with the special guys they got on defense. Rams quietly have one of the best defenses in the league. So that's, the, that's my NFL takeaways. That's my list. It's going to be very interesting to see how these teams fall into these four tiers come the season end and see how it plays out come playoff time now moving off the nfl it'll be really really i should say it'll be really fun thanksgiving day to watch some football but as i say that i get a notification on my phone that the ravens and steelers game how about that time the ravens and steelers game has been called off so this is why i'm glad i waited a little bit to record Yeah, that's shocking. That is a massive bummer. I think every football fan was looking forward to watching the Ravens and Steelers play on that Thursday night football game after our bellies were stuffed with turkeys. So hopefully the Lions-Texans game can be entertaining and the Cowboys-Washington football team game can give us something. But like I said, that's it for the NFL talk. And now let's shift on to the NBA. Free agency. The NBA is officially back We talked about it last week with the draft, and free agency was absolutely bananas with the amount of, I shouldn't say bananas, because bananas would have been like last year where we saw even more player movement, elite player movement, but there were a lot of really fun quality moves still in NFL free agency, and I'm probably just overreacting, throwing out the word like bananas because of how exciting it is to have just some NBA, some player movement, some action back, and it was really fun to see how it all shook out. So I'm kind of going to go through a list, give you some of my favorite teams that I thought really won free agency, what I thought of some of the bigger deals, some of the underrated moves, and teams I just thought flat out just lost free agency, did not like what they do. Let's start with the Atlanta Hawks, who... They baffle me from the way they're kind of constructing the roster and the amount of money they're giving out now versus long term how they're going to pay some guys, but you got to put him in as a winner because of the talent they collected and it's because of that collection of talent I think they're going to make the play- playoffs this year. Bringing in Gallinari, he had such a good year last year with the Thunder. I think he can come in and potentially even play some small ball center for him next to John Collins or obviously play power forward as well if needed. They bring him in on a, it's a deal's a little large for my liking, but you overpay to get a guy like him, I understand that. Speaking of overpay, they brought in Boyan Bogdanovich of the Kings, their sharpshooting shooting guard. For four years, seventy-two million, and with him, I think you give Trey Young a backcourt partner who pairs well from him from an offensive standpoint because of his ability to be an elite off-ball shooter. Not the best defensively. This team is not going to be the best defensively in general. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the DeAndre Hunters of the world to really lock guys down. But those two guys right there, I mean, that's the best. That's the best free agency duo a team brought in, in my opinion. I really like Gallinari and Bogdanovich, and then the more underrated ones would be bringing in Rondo given them a point guard who can handle the ball. Something they desperately missed whenever Trey Young was off the floor was that elite ball handler. And Chris Dunn, really like what he brings as a defensive player. And his offensive game continues to improve. You hope he can just hit those threes and makes those shots. So the Hawks were... I really loved what the Hawks did. These winners are in no order. but I would say 1A, 1B for these two winning teams, by the way, because the other one's the Lakers. I loved what the Lakers did. We can group in the Schroeder trade here. I think that was a great move for them. We know Anthony Davis is going to resign, so that's obviously a massive win. Montrose Harrell, bringing him over. I think he'll be a really good bench six man for them. I think the Lakers will love the energy and the spark he provides, so I like that move for them. My favorite move, though, was bringing in Marcus I think what his passing and his basketball IQ will add to this team the of the passes that him and LeBron are going to be able to make to each other, or just to other guys, I think is going to be phenomenal. And obviously, I like bringing back the role players, KCP, Markeith Morris, and bringing over a Wesley Matthews, who at this point in his career is like a worse version of KCP. So I thought they did. A good, I thought the Lakers did a really good job surrounding with quality role players. Really like LA's offseason so far. Also, the Suns were my kind of my. I said one A, one B. This would be the true number two. Would be then the Suns, or I guess the true number three, if I got one and one. But you guys get what I'm saying. The Suns bringing in Jay Crowder, three years, thirty million. Huge Jay Crowder fan. Thought that was a really nice move by them. Dario Saric signed for a twenty seven million for three years. Also getting in two quality forwards right there. I like that move from the Suns. And they also brought back Javon Carter, really nasty, tenacious bench point guard. His game is very similar to Patrick Beverly, not in terms of how over-the-top he is, but the grit he brings defensively and the ability to be a spot-off three-point shooter play off the ball. Also, Langston Galloway, Etuan Moore, added some three-point shooters. So I like what the Suns did, and obviously they traded for Chris Paul as well. So huge winners of the offseason either way. Now, let's get to the biggest deal of free agency so far, and the biggest shock could probably be Gordon Hayward going to the Hornets on the four years, $120 deal. Now, originally, Gordon Hayward signed with the Charlotte Hornets back when he was with the Jazz as a restricted free agent, but Utah matched it, so he had to return to Utah. And he had a lot of success in Utah, obviously, but he goes to Boston, deals with that gruesome injury, and is never the same. He's battled other injuries ever since, and it'll be really interesting to see in Charlotte if he can turn it around. I think there is a chance he can maybe get back to some of the Utah form, but... It's just unfortunate he's had to deal with all these injuries, and I hope he's able to succeed, but I don't think Charlotte should have done this move. Number one, they can't make it work, so they have to move on from Nicholas Batum. They're trying to trade his contract right now, but it's one year, $27 million, just way too much money. So their options are do that or waive Batum and pay him $9 million over the next three years not to be on the team. Obviously, I'm not a fan of that either. So they just really, they really put themselves in a bad position situation here with these kind of moves and i get they want to win but i don't think gordon hayward is worth going into this salary cap just disaster spots i hope hayward gets back to his form but i just i did not like the move also quickly i want to shout out i think it was great moves by the franchises the 2017 draft was up for max extension so teams were paying or i guess the 2016 also if you throw in but guys that young players that got extended brandon ingram bam out of bio donovan Mitchell, De'Aaron Fox. All great moves, all great players. You guys might think Bam Adebayo got overpaid. I promise you, he is so important to that Heat team and their culture and identity. What he brings is a facilitator and his ability to switch on the defensive end, and also a really good leader for them. And speaking of teams that kept guys in house, I did like the Raptors bringing back Van Fleet on a four-year, eighty-five million. A little bit of an overpay, yeah, but Van Fleet's a really good player. I'm really high on his game and. I think the Raptors, the reason they bring guys like Van Fleet back is they're trying to set themselves up because they're just a Kawhi Leonard away from a championship we know. So they're hoping they can land a Giannis as something goes south with another star. They can bring a guy in and still form a formidable team that can still contend for a championship. Moving on to some other free agent deals that I really like. Some quality guys. Bigger name guys. Some nice moves here. Paul Millsap back to Denver. He's been a big part of their culture. And after they lost out on Jeremy Gramp, I thought it was nice to bring back Power forward who especially will bring some intensity and grit on the defensive end. Joe Harris back to the Nets. You need that spacing next to Kyrie and KD and potentially that third star, who we all know that could be. Serge Ibaka to the Clippers. I think he should be their starting center. He's better than Zubak. And this is, I like this move by the Clippers. We're going to get into some of the things I did not like about the Clippers, but I thought this was a really good move. Two years, 19 million. When he brings a shot blocker and floor spacer, love that for them. Malik Beasley for the Timberwolves. This one is shocking when you factor in Ricky Rubio, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. And now Malik Beasley. That's a lot of really good quality point guard, shooting guard kind of guard players just in general. So interesting signing there, but Beasley did average 20 points per game for them after the trade coming over from Denver. So makes sense as well. And finally, I did like the Aaron Baines acquiring for the Raptors they signed Aaron Baines I think after losing out on their starting center in Marcus, this was a nice move for them was to grab Baines the guy who gives you intimidating post presence and can space the floor so those were kind of some of the bigger name guys which bigger name with an asterisk obviously when we get to Aaron Baines but I want to move on to some underrated moves I thought these were teams you kind of like added a lot of really good quality role players I thought First, the Celtics. Really like bringing in Tristan Thompson. He should start at them for center. I think he's better than Daniel Theis, especially from an offensive standpoint because of that offensive rebounding. Can he shoot as well? No, but he's going to give you lots of second chance points. Jeff Teague, an elite backup point guard. If they go down with another Kemba Walker injury this year, Teague can step in and do a really good job filling in there. Next, you have the Rockets. DeMarcus Cousins on a one-year deal. I like the move if they're going to run it back. So that's the question. Are they going to run it back? Now, the fit. Bringing in Christian Wood and him is very interesting. I don't know how well those guys fit together. They're going to go from small ball to big ball, but Wood has shown some touch as a three-shooter, so I think they're just going to play a really big starting lineup with a if everyone stays at the moment, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, PJ Tucker, DeMarcus, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins. So it's a big lineup, but I'm interested to see how it works because I do think Wood is a really good quality player. He had a very good stretch run before the short season was ended post all-star break, really good. And then obviously Cousins, we know how good he was before his injury and a, They worked him out and said he showed signs of being healthy. So hopefully, he can get back to even slightly the form he was all those years ago with the Pelicans when he first had that gruesome injury and then re aggravated it with Golden State. For the Rockets, Sterling Brown also, staying with the Rockets, Sterling Brown also was a nice, underrated move for them. A guy who could come off the bench and semi replace Robert Covington. For the Heat, you have Goran Dragic. They brought back him on a two-year, thirty-seven point four million deal. I like the move there. Dragic was such a huge part for them, and I think if he would have played in the finals, they at least would have had a, a better chance than they did if he had been healthy. Mo Harkless and Avery Bradley. You bring in some veterans with some defense. Bradley plays the two guard. Harkless. Those guys are 3 and D guys fit in perfectly. I hated giving Miles Leonard two years, 20 million for them, 10 million for years for a guy you could not even play in the finals. I thought that was not a good move by them. Also Portland trailblazers. We know they acquired Robert Covington in that trade, but bringing in the athletic freak that is Derek Jones, Jr. Resigning Rodney hood. He's a fun player. I think he can give a microwave score off the bench. Harry Giles at center. He had so much potential still, if you guys can remember back to when he was at Duke. So it'll be interesting to see what Giles can come if it's some time and, given the chance to grow and show he's healthy. Carmelo Anthony for one year as well. Melo gave him some nice moments. so I think if he's committed to come off the bench, that's a good move as well. The Milwaukee Bucks, Bobby Portis, Robert, Pat, Bobby Portis, Pat Connington, DJ Augustine, Torrey Craig, a great correct collection of role players right there. Guys who can hit some threes for you. And especially with guys like Craig can give you some nice defense. The Jazz bringing in back Derek Favors. They love what he gives them, obviously, from the center. Possession, position his defense. Maybe he starts at power forward, but I think he should be their backup center. Jordan Clarkson obviously was a revelation for them as a six-man. The Warriors bringing in Kent Bazemore. We know they had acquired Kelly Oubre via trade as well. And Brad Wanamaker, I think, especially Bazemore and Oubre, though. Really good moves for them. That could help them out as they make this playoff run led solely by Steph Curry. For the Mavs, they brought back Willie Cauley-Stein and Trey Burke. Both Cauley-Stein, they like the potential he brings as a rim runner, I think. And Trey Burke was so good for them in the bubble. Had to bring him back. So that's going to do it for the positives. Let's get into some of the bads, the bad. Borderline bad to good. This is kind of just a meh one is the Knicks. Alfred Payton, New Noel, Austin Rivers, and Alec Burks. When you talk about Austin Rivers and Alec Burks, you're basically talking about the same player. A two guard slash point guard who's going to be, who's a ball dominant player who's going to take most of the shots. Don't love that move. And then Payton, Noel, I mean, I don't know why you signed another center. I personally would have liked to continue to see Obi Toppin, give him a little more time at center. But I, I get it, I guess. I just It's a lot of meh for the Knicks when they always have these expectations. Now on to some of my losers of free agency. The Pistons, I liked Jeremy Grant and I knew he was going to get overpaid. But three years, $60 million to the Pistons. What do you want this guy to do? Do you want him to be a scorer for you? You just don't need his services. What he does best is elite 3 and D. And I feel like they're going to ask him to score now that they're paying him $20 million over the next three years. So I thought that was a bad deal. So was the other Denver Nugget they paid in Mason Plumlee. Three years, $25 million. I, I don't get that at all. I don't know why you pay Mason Plumlee three years, $25 million. Why would you spend so much money on a backup center? They brought in Jaleel Okafor and Josh Jackson. The Jackson move I actually really like. Take a swing on a guy who was a top three pick only in 2017. And Okafor, we know he's still so young and got some of that upside too. So, But especially those first two deals. Just did not like him. The Wizards, Raul Neto and Robin Lopez. What are we doing here? Especially for the Wizards. They have so many get these power forward guys. I like lineups that include Rui Hachimera at the center a lot. And we, they, we know they have Thomas Bryant. So I don't think they really needed Robin Lopez. Neto was really bad last year for the Sixers. But for some reason, they always play him. So we'll see if the Wizards do the same. And I thought they really overpaid for Davis Bertons. I would not give $80 million for five years out to a guy who only thing he does is an elite three-point sniper. It's the only thing. He's not this great rebounder. He's not this great defender. He's just a floor spacer. That's all he is. And you have a ton of power forwards anyways with Hachimera, Bertons, and I just, I don't like that fit there. I don't think that was a smart move by them to give him all that money. They also drafted Denny Obdia. So another forward that just is going to pile up in there. The worst the biggest loser of free agency for me was the Clippers. They lost out on Rondo. They desperately needed and wanted a pass first point guard. They couldn't find him and they gave Marcus Morris 64 million for the next 4 years. Marcus Morris did not fit out very well with this Clippers team I thought. It's another ball stopper guy next to George and Leonard. I just did not think that was a good move for them. I thought they should have moved on for him and focused more of their money on finding a true point guard they really could use to play next to Ronda, next to play next to Patrick Beverly. I thought that was the biggest thing. So I just Oh, and then they signed Patrick Patterson. So another boring move, a guy who will only play for them in the case of injuries who you hope can make some threes. That's what he's built his career on. But not a fan of the Marcus Morris move, but I didn't think it worked well enough last year. I thought they had other needs they should have prioritized. So the that the Clippers were my biggest losers for agency because I think the Lakers so clearly got so much better and I think the Clippers got the same or honestly even stayed worse if you consider I I did like the Ibaka signing so that maybe got worse is a little far but just stayed the same so it's very interesting for them but guys that's gonna do it for this edition of the From the Stands podcast thank you guys so much as always for listening it's always fun to recap what's going on in the sports world and the NBA is so fascinating right now it's just interesting with all the player movement and we know the start is right around the corner so thank you guys as always for listening and signing off.